All right, everyone, welcome back to another weekly roundup edition of On the Margin. Today, I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Mr. Marquis Cal. Ah, <laughs> no, no adjective today. So I, I, I guess the adjective would be the absent, since I have been absent so much and, and traveling around and, you know, at a wedding last wedding. week and... Which I love. I, I love weddings. In fact, mm. it was it was amazing. Uh, my roommate's son, my roommate from college's son, um, and we did it up at the Basilica at Notre Dame, and it was just absolutely glorious um, mm. event. All right, uh, quick reveal. So yeah, I, I got the orange yes. pants on because you know mm. it's Friday, um, but I'm wearing the the Bitcoin whale socks today, and mm. uh, why? The Bitcoin whale, well, some whale wallets have moved for, in some cases, for the first time in, in a decade. And mm. I think that's interesting. Um, probably get to that at some point, but, you know, so happy Bitcoin Friday. Happy Bitcoin Friday. Yeah, actually, but what's your interpretation of that? I, I honestly didn't go much past the headlines on that, but I did see that some very old wallets were moving. You have any thoughts there? No, no, mm. other than... Um, look, the, the movement of, um, coins is, is normal, right? Mm. But these, these old wallets, uh, some of them people thought were lost, abandoned, stolen, you know, tainted, what, whatever. Um, and I think it's probably... I, I'm of two minds, right? You could you could make the good case, which is, hey, the you know, who someone recovered their their mm. phrase, or they they got the multi sig they needed, or whatever, and that that increases liquidity. Or there's there's the flip side, which is, oh, okay, people are are panicking, they're getting ready to dump, and you know, bring it on back to uh, exchange so they they can sell. I, I I didn't see that movement. Now I didn't do a thorough on-chain analysis to to find out, but I, I probably think it's just the market's maturing. There's so much scrutiny. I mean, there are millions and millions of wallets. Yeah. And when we narrow in on any one particular wallet, it's kind of like when people interpret, <laughs> you're going to love this one. This is crazy, non-secular. This is why AI will not take over. Because no one could make this non sequitur except the human brain. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like when people interpret Shakespeare. Oh, he was definitely thinking this. I'm like, are you joking? You have no idea what he was thinking when he wrote that. He may have been drunk, right? Because he was trying to write to pay the bills in many cases. So anyway, um, but trying to figure out what someone else is doing and say, oh, I know this is what they were doing. It's not. Yeah. Well, you know, it is kind of interesting to look at. So speaking of wallets, well, the, the one thing that I actually I kind of love about this is there's obviously the, the largest and, and most dormant wallet is obviously is obviously Satoshi's wallet that has a gigantic amount of Bitcoins in there. When Coinbase went public, they actually listed as a material risk to their business that the wallet of Satoshi could move and some of those Bitcoins could get sold, which I just thought was such a I don't know. Uh, for some reason, that just tickled me. I thought it was pretty well, interesting. Well, no, I, I think I look. I, I I think that is a really interesting element of an immature market. Mm. Right? Just concentrated pockets of illiquidity that that generate risk. And you know, one of the things about about Bitcoin in particular, 
is the incremental movement of coins is pretty low relative mm -hmm. to the number of coins that are either hodled or lost, stolen, you know, whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of theories on on the, the the Satoshi wallet. You know, Craig's like, it's mine. Well, prove it, Craig. I mean, move something from it. Um, mm. So, you know, the, the better, more likely scenario is it really was a multi-sig and they can't get all the SIGs now because someone has passed away. That, that, that seems more likely to me um, because I, I always come back to name a CEO, right? If you think of the, the, the creator of the protocol as the CEO, I mean, really isn't the CEO, but, but name a CEO of, of any organization that didn't take some chips off the table at some point, just for the yeah. purposes. Or, I mean, you, you can't find them, you know? And you it, should, you should do that. You should, right? Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, should do be that. wise to do you, so. People get villainized. And I think that's a, a sort of a silly meme of our space. But the the price action this week was was super interesting. So just talking about transparency into into wallets, it's it's definitely a good thing, but it definitely does sometimes lead to hijinks. So there was a if you're looking at if, at the screen here, this is just the Bitcoin price over the course of the last five days, and there's this gigantic drop, you know, and and over the course of the next twelve hours or twenty four hours or so, it was almost completely recovered. But this was the result of uh, an analytics firm called Arkham, they made an update to a previous bug. But what that looked like was a wallet tag to Mt. Gox in the US government moving Bitcoin. And the the suspicion is this is this is unconfirmed, but I won't say the name, but a, a very large market making trading firm in crypto basically nuked their entire book. And that led from Bitcoin falling from 30000 to $27,250, basically within the span of 30 minutes. So gigantic nuke. And then it oscillated pretty wildly for the next couple hours. And now it's basically recovered most of the ground that it that it gave up. So kind of an only in crypto thing, but also a sort of an interesting side effect of everything being yeah. so transparent. Although I, it's, it's not only in crypto, it's, it's only in illiquid assets, mm. right? When assets are illiquid, Meaning mm. the, the 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 number of shares that trade on a daily basis is low relative to what you know a single owner owns or a family or or a corporation. That's where you get the hijinks, and and there are lots and lots and lots of examples over the years in in equity markets in bond markets. Uh, you look at the cocos market, right? That just happened with the CS thing. Um, it's they're so relatively illiquid. That and I love the word hijinks. I like just like to say it. Um, that uh, hijinks can 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 occur. And look, I I also think we live in this this crazy time. I mean, I shouldn't say crazy. This unique time that social media and twenty four seven always on media. Not not just not just MSM, but but you know, the, uh, the citizen media yeah. where people are trying to make a name for themselves. They may be trying to manipulate markets. It's, it's tough. And now with increasing deep fake stuff, like, you know, people have talked about the Drake thing and, or how about this? <laughs> this is unbelievable. Did you see mm. that Elon Musk's lawyer is trying to use 
because he's being sued by some families of people who died in a in a crash and they're blaming full self-driving and they're saying that you know he promised full self-driving and and these guys believed him and and they crashed and the lawyers try to use the defense that well yes there's there's a video of 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 Elon promising full self-driving but it it could be a deep fake you don't know wait mark did you see this week that Jay Powell Chair Powell got tricked by yes. some Russian hackers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretending to be President Zelensky. And yes. they ended up talk he ended up talking to this guy for 15 minutes. Absolutely. But prank <laughs> calling, prank calling has been going on since I was a kid, right? We used to prank yeah. call all the time, you know, call people literally on the phone. But and mm. and but to get through security, right? That was there no security in terms of yeah. maybe checking the phone number or um you know, I guess he was using uh, what's that call blocking, uh, but it's just funny. This this also this also. I mean, wouldn't you think that there would be higher security, better opsec for someone like the chairman of the Federal Reserve? But the same thing I, happened I to Madame Lagarde Me over in the ECB. You know, I, I I would think he he would make calls, not take calls. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, but he also, so he also, he, he talked a little bit about, so we can get into maybe the weeds of his conversation. I, I only sort of breezed through the, the high level. I was kind of just uh, amazed, frankly, that this even took place. This seems like a, a larger than life sort of situation, but he, he sort of confirmed that he, his policymaking kind of tipped his hat to that. He pays a lot of attention to the market and the market leads Powell, not kind of the other way around. He indicated that it was likely that there are going to be two 25 basis point hikes more. So nothing, nothing really wildly controversial, yeah. you know, yeah, kind yeah, of- yeah, yeah. nothing that we didn't already know um, or suspect, but it didn't know it, it, it is that that was pretty amazing. And, yeah. and that wasn't even like deep fake. Those were just human beings, you know, pretending to be someone else. I just, I'm, I'm just shocked about that whole, that whole story. I actually can't believe that that, that that happened. But let, let's talk a little bit about the, the debt ceiling. So the debt ceiling debacle, which a lot of people were very concerned about, that was going to come to a head later this year, actually ended up getting alleviated. So this was a big victory for the House of Representatives uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So he led a vote. It was very close. It was 217 to 215. They extended the. They approved a bill that would raise the debt ceiling by 1.5 trillion, and they basically punted the risk until next year. There's a. I, I always love this chart. We might have even showed it. it, it <laughs> it's, that, it's, it's the fact. I, I. I don't even want to talk about it. It's. It's like. It's like one of the dumbest topics, and it happens every few years. And people wring their hands and and the treasury secretary gets up and says you know there there'll be there'll be nuclear winter effects if if this is are you kidding me right i mean the idea that that somebody somewhere thought that it was a good idea to put a ceiling government can't issue any more debt mm. okay why well, because that number is the right number. Why? Well, because it's a big number and, and, and we should be afraid of it. <laughs> there's inflation to think about. There's, you know, assets and, and liabilities. And, you know, this is the part that, that I, always, I always struggle with. I, I saw the map recently of all the assets, the land that the U.S. government owns. It's like a big, mm. it's a big chunk 
of America, particularly the West. The government owns most of the land. And I maybe mean, not most, but but at least half-ish. And uh, those assets are valuable, right? So yes, there are liabilities. And no, we could not pay all our liabilities back. We could not pay all the debt back. It's impossible. Okay, unless we sell assets or we, you know, enter into contracts such that, you know, we promise future revenues or, or, or other things like that. And so this, this nonsense every year in the political thing, like who would vote? Who actually, who are the 215 <laughs> idiots that voted to destroy the functioning of the economy by saying the world's risk-free asset is no longer risk-free, that we're going to default on it? Who, who's the idiot? I'm I'm actually, I'm I'm completely with you here, Mark. And and by the way, for those of you who are following along via video, this is just a cool chart. You many of you have probably seen this, but this is just the national debt versus the national debt ceiling, and it's co it's color coded by the the uh, so it's basically just a chart of the national debt going up, and then you can see if the bars are in red, then a Republican was president, and if the bars are in blue, then there was a Democratic president, and then underneath the I guess the the one additional dimension there is you can see the house and the senate and if it was majority blue or majority red at the time but the basic takeaway from this is that doesn't matter the the, the general perception is that democrats love to to spend money and the republicans don't they like fiscal responsibility but yeah. the debt ceiling uh, marches up regardless yeah. either way right yeah. red or and blue. we had the you know right. we had the greatest increase in in the debt and deficit ever under under republicans last two republicans it yeah again, there's no left there's no right there's no republican there's, it's just in and out but this is a this is a really bad chart crime in that mm. it needs to be log scale when it's when it's that long a period. Mm. But the the fact is it's a 45 degree line and it ain't stopping. And it and it really, if you overlaid the money supply, it would it, it would just be that. All this is is a reflection of the stealing of our wealth through inflation. Um, that's been happening since 1913. If you and you did it from 1776 to 1913, it'd be dead flat. And so yeah. it's, it's money illusion. It's, it's really not important. And, you know, the fact that everybody's talking about it, we have to talk about it too, but it's, it's really, it's kabuki theater. Mm. Yeah. Well, wh why did this one gain so much? Maybe, maybe this is just, you know, you've been paying attention to this stuff for much longer than I have, but this one in particular, you know, a lot of the people that I actually respect, not just the talking heads that, that, bluster around on CNN or Fox or something like that. A lot of the smart people that I that I like and pay attention to said that this particular debt ceiling, maybe it was just because the vitriol in between the, the GOP and the Democrats is just higher than it's probably it, ever yeah. been. Maybe even Yes and no. I mean, this, the, I actually, I see, I, I'm old. Um, I thought this one was probably fifth or sixth most mm. vitriolic. Now, the really, really bad ones that I remember not not to criticize, but you know, you were on the playground somewhere, um, not really paying attention <laughs> with to, me. to politics. No, and, and again, I mean, I was on the playground too at some point. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, there, there were some there were some incredibly awful ones uh, in the eighties. Um, some really stupid ones around the global financial crisis. I mean, like where where people just said. Like super stupid stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stupid stuff that gets said in Washington. Don't get me wrong. But this was like super stupid stuff. Like complete and and most of it 
was around Ms. Yellen because she's been around a long time and I just think she's not the brightest bulb in, in the in the deck or, or just <laughs> whatever, the brightest bulb in the in the lamp. Um she probably, you know, she probably is really smart. She probably is, yeah. I I, mean, probably, I have the same opinion. I think she's a I don't savvy know. political I, you know operator. I, I can't. No, I'm taking that back. I'm I'm, I'm taking that back. I'm, I'm not going to say that. I I really don't think she is. Um, but well, let's talk much, about. Much, okay, she's so got a much more powerful okay. position than I do. So she must be smarter than me. All right. Okay. So, well, I I don't believe that. But let let's talk about First Republic. This this feels like the time to to build a bridge to that. So, First Republic Bank is is under enormous pressure again. They've suffered a massive $100 billion plunge in deposits after the aftermath of- Let that that hang, Michael, let that hang. 100 billion. Think how long it would take a bank to get 100 billion of assets. Yeah, that is actually, funnily enough, what I found myself thinking when I saw that number. Think about how many years of work that is just right down the tube like that. And- and I actually remember this being debated, after, you know, post Silicon Valley Bank because First Republic has. I, I know the the banking geeks are going to say it's a totally different business, but you know, a relative. The, the perception is they're similar businesses; they serve similar customers, and uh, and you know, there was there was sort of one side of the of the argument that said, "Hey, we have the BTFP facility. There's there's no need to worry anymore." There was a thirty billion dollar injection, which was led by a consortium of banks. And JP Morgan being at the helm there, and shocking. all the problems shocking, were supposed- by the way. shock. Just <laughs> shocking that JP Morgan got to put in the 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 equity before the equity, and I can't I can't pronounce the word in in German, but there's a there's a, uh, a term for the move before the move in chess, mm-hmm. like where you you make a move that doesn't actually appear to be very intelligent, but it's setting up the the it's like Zwanskans. Again, I can't pronounce it. Um, someone will, does, will put it in the show notes. But does anyone have better words than the Germans? They no. gave a Schadenfreude. They have. Oh my gosh! No, they have no. This, all you these know, great or words. Gewürztraminer. I mean, I mean, and and they're so long. I mean, so many syllables. There's a. I I, I was just actually googling the word, but there's actually a word in Latin. I remember because I used to be a classics guy. Uh, that means peeing in a circle around someone's grave. There was a specific word for that because apparently back in that day, that was a common enough action. Sign of disrespect for your enemy. Yeah. Peeing around a grave. And it happened so frequently that they're like, we need to make a word for this thing. So uh, yeah. And, and not, 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 to, not to get too, too weird here, but that's an impressive feat. I mean, think <laughs> about the size of a coffin. I mean, that, that, I mean, that, 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 Mechanically, a, we can all just you know we can all just marvel that 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 that's that, 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 that was that's the ability there. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, all right, we we're, were we we're talking about First Republic. So yeah, give us the so all of this basically kicked off again after the well, look, earnings. First Republic pissing on graves. I mean that that it, it this is look people are pissing on this grave. They are they are they are burying this business. They're basically saying it's it's dead and buried, you know and. You know, stocks down 98, 97, whatever percent. Um, you know, it's it's really sad the way, pe- I, I think, the way people are, are acting around this, this whole crisis. I mean, we're, we're in a banking crisis and it's not getting as much attention as the global financial crisis. 
And yet I'll argue this is worse because yeah. we're, we're fundamentally chipping away at the bedrock of what makes our society great. And I'll say it over and over, and the Bitcoin maxes will yell at me, fractional reserve banking is what makes society great. It just does. And by chipping away at the foundation of that, by, by eroding the confidence in the confidence game, it's, oh, that's a con game, that's a con. No, confidence. It's about confidence and confidence and, and making capital work. Without yeah. financial institutions, capital sits idle in mattresses and countries implode. That's, look at Greece, okay? When they took all the money out of the banks and they put it in the mattresses, what happened to the Greek economy? It got bought by China. So that, yeah, I don't know. I, I get really angry about this, actually. I, do, I mean, look, I, I love the, the Bitcoiners. The, the hardcore maxis are a little bit less my crowd. But I, I think you, you have to, within your framework for how an economy should work, if you have no answer for what the provision of credit looks like and you think only <laughs> hard money is the solution, that's well just said. not. That's just not. Yeah. And and you, I think I think the to, I think well that is a, even a distracting conversation from the, the I think the two tier banking system is a is a very real threat that is that is materializing in front of our eyes. So look at this chart. And look at this chart, Mark. This looks like a an SHIT coin. You know, this is this was a this was a gigantic bank, right? Hundreds of billions of dollars in assets, you know, not six months ago. And look at look at this chart. This has gone from two hundred and twenty dollars almost to you know just over five dollars. So to your point, I think it was Jim Bianco that says usually when a stock falls ninety eight percent, you know, the vast majority of the time it loses the other two percent. Yeah. And this is probably going to be one of those times, unfortunately. So I'm very curious to see at this point, what the regulators are going to do. And this is one of those situations where when I really try to put myself in their shoes, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do because some people kind of hand wave and say this moral hazard argument is overblown. I'm not one of those people. I believe in that argument. I think it's pretty logical. But I also so, but I also think just allowing these regional banks to fail and having all these assets get accumulated at a couple of mega banks is an undesirable outcome, even though... <sighs> I okay. understand. Mr. Saturday, we had to get here. This is the plan. This is the plan. Mm. And it is sinister. And it is happening right in front of our eyes. And what what mm. what what's gonna happen on Sunday, right? Save your Sunday. So sinister Saturday, save your Sunday. My guess, you know, First Republic becomes part of JP Morgan this weekend. Uh, you heard it here first. So, and here's why. If your plan, right, is to erode the confidence in the banking system and lead deposits to funnel up into the largest institutions, which mm. you control at the government level. And there's a great story coming out now about how Mr. Diamond got put in charge of the largest, most powerful bank in the world and the families that he owes in terms of, of helping him with that kind of crazy stuff. Um, but all of that said, if 
then the next step, the end game, is you don't need any of that, good citizens of America. Mm. We, the government, are here to help. And we are going to eliminate all of your fears with this beautiful, lovely CBDC. You just put your money in the Fed and we will take care of it. You'll never have to worry about it again. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> are you absolutely fucking kidding me? People are going to fall for this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pardon my French. And again, I actually, I actually finally Googled it. I, I say pardon my French, but after I swear, because I happen to swear. And I could never understand why we say pardon my French. But I guess the reason is that in England... There were some wannabe French people or people who had emigrated from France that occasionally would speak both languages. And most people in England were like, I don't understand what you're saying. It sounds like gibberish. So they was, oh, excuse my French. Uh, and then people said, well, swear words are kind of gibberish. So it kind of kind of went to there. But that's why I would say pardon my French. But I said that once to a, and a Frenchman said, why, why do you say that? We're not vulgar. Well, kind of. I mean, you have this thing called pee-pee roustique, back to peeing. It is okay for a man, not for a woman, but for a man, it's okay to pee outside in, in, in France, which I think is kind of weird that there's a law that actually makes that okay. A modern um, law? Modern like today. Right now, right now, you can go in downtown Paris and a man can whip it out and pee on the wall and you don't get in trouble. Pee-pee roustique. <laughs> I, I, I gotta give I gotta give that a Google, but I want to return to the banking. I, I want to return to the banking. <laughs> you don't want what's going to come after you do the Google, though. You don't you don't want those ads, but it's okay. No, yeah, definitely, definitely not. So I want to I want to. So I I agree with the outcome, but I disagree as always on. I don't think this is a plan. I think basically Ooh, what's happening okay. is it's because I, you aren't you are. <laughs> You are an optimistic soul. You're not ruined by age and 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 skepticism. You 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 believe in in the goodness of people, and I'm telling you, these people are not good. They I, are not good. So I'm open to that possibility as well. I'm open to that possibility, but I but I also think there are certain, um, you know, there's a probably not for this show, but I don't know how deep you've gotten into the weeds of MEV and how all that works in in crypto, but I. I, I'm kind of developing this sort of mental framework for when you're trying to design a system and the design principles that you have for the system bump up against the economic realities of that system. And that's how I kind of think about our financial system, where the economic reality of the financial system is we've talked about how financial consolidation works, right? When one of these banks gets out over their skis and that their liabilities exceed their assets, it's very easy to just roll that up into a larger institution that has a bigger balance sheet that has more uh, room to room to run, and yeah. and, and I think and I think, yeah. but that if you regulators- fomented that, if if you caused that evaporation of the gold, back to the pictures that you brought from Jim that I thought were brilliant, right? The green. Mm-hmm for the assets and the red for the liabilities and the gold at the bottom. Although yeah. it's funny, you know, someone watched the show after we did that and said, oh, Mark Yusuko says there's all this gold. Like, no, 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 no. The color gold the in color, the picture yeah. for the equity. I didn't say the equity of banks was all gold. That's not what I said. But the color gold in, in the picture, it was a picture. Um, and I'm a visual guy. But look, I, have you watched the Augustine Karstens? Video? No. Okay. 
this is your homework assignment for this weekend. I want you to watch it. And then I want you to watch it again. I actually want you to watch it seven times. Mm. Okay. I want you to watch it seven times. And then come back to me next week and tell me if I'm wrong about the evil. Okay. All right. I'll give it a watch. You- All right. Give, give me a text after I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I, I'm not defending, by the way. I think the, I think the general attitude of, of government is kind of we have to save people from themselves. And mm-hmm. I do think that's a, a genuine divide that still exists between Republicans and Democrats where this was described to me when I went to Washington, you know, <clears throat> you know even when you're just deciding how to, how to um, regulate crypto companies, the Republicans are generally okay to say, you know, if something blows up, we will come in and we will we will regulate. And the Democrat view is basically, why don't you why don't you register with us just in case anything happens? And <laughs> of course, one of the, that's a, and honestly, that small sounds sounds like a small difference, but it's a it's a pretty large one big, in effect. Big. So that, but the other thing, you know, just also to give regulators a bit of credit here is generally they try not to come in and use the balance sheet of the United States, right? Like even people mm-hmm. point to long term capital. Long-term capital was, and a lot I've heard I've heard people point to that as kind of the original sin of of the Fed and how we that was the first domino to fall and moral hazard. But but the bank of it was the it was the um, the New York branch of the Federal Reserve, and they didn't put up any capital from the United States, but they basically bullied all the other banks at that time, right, to get in a room. Am I am I right? They kind of led the yeah, consortium. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm shaking my head because. It had nothing to do with the Fed. It had to do, as always, with Warren getting richer. And mm. I mean, it, this is an amazing story. So John Goodfriend, <laughs> inappropriately named because it turns out he had no friends. John Goodfriend, you know, ran this this business and and it was elegant in its execution, Merriweather and, and all these guys. And 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 yes, they made a mistake, right? They applied too much leverage to merger arbitrage, right? For what's called convergence trading, which is trading of, of on the run versus off the run bonds. Right. You can lever that up a hundred times, no problem. Because in 365 days, no matter what the spread does within the 364, on day 365, the spread closes, on the run becomes off the run, nothing you can do about it. Time marches on. Merger arb is different. Merger arb can get fly in the ointment stuff, right? Yeah. GE Honeywell can actually get not approved. Mm-hmm. Now, who who made it get not approved? Well, it's interesting. It's it's a congressional committee. Well, how does con- Congress make these decisions? It couldn't possibly be bribery. It couldn't possibly be lobbying. Hmm. And who would benefit if that decision were made to not approve that particular deal? Oh, wait a second. So on Friday, it looked like things were fine. They were going to get the bailout, so to speak. But then on Saturday, Uncle Warren flew to New York, where he was on the board of Solomon Brothers, which no longer exists, by the way. It's part of J.P. Morgan. Um, so Solomon Brothers um, ha- had this guy on the board. And 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 as, as it goes, the question was asked, what did we mark John's book at yesterday, $2 billion. Hmm. No, I think we market it at 1.2. 
Mm. End of story. Solomon buys, Warren gets richer. He goes back to Omaha, has five Diet Cokes, cherry Cokes, sorry, cherry Cokes, full sugar, and uh, eats some C's candy and, and gets diabetes. But anyway, that, that's how it went down. It's Might real. be the case. Might be the case. But I will say, you know, when you look with the, the benefit of hindsight at what long-term was doing, they weren't being very long-term, right? The data in their the data in their models, right? For all the Nobel's laureates they had at that firm at the time, it was like four or five years over a span of time. So no, no, no. But but but, but the point is, if not for that DOJ decision, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. It now, is. It's fun. That, that, again, the fact that that is a risk that they didn't think about. But wait a minute, that's not quantitative. That's qualitative. That's human beings, right? That's like when Lehman, okay, Dick Fold, let's just say Mr. Fold was a tough guy. There are other words that people would use to describe him, but let's just say he was a tough guy. And it turns out if you're really nasty to people when they're young, like there's this famous story that he was interviewing somebody and like in the interview, he basically said, you're a freaking idiot. Get out of my sight. 10 years later, that person had a position of power. It was like, I, I can screw this guy. Done. I'm in. And so karma's a bitch. And so when Lehman got in trouble, there were a whole bunch of people who were like, I'm going to get my revenge. This guy was mm -hmm. a dick to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anyway. I, I don't know too much about Dick Fold. I have heard rumors that he wasn't the most gracious human being who's ever walked the earth. So. I, I, look, then, I, I'm not casting aspersions. I'm just telling you what people say and, and what real people who were involved in the situation, who had the opportunity, turn about his fair play. Yeah. And, and look, when you when you get in trouble, like right now, First Republic Bank needs friends. Mm. They're under attack. Pack of jackals, short sellers are after. I mean, everybody. Was, oh, it's the evil short sellers' fault. No, 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 no. It's not the evil short sellers' fault. They're just benefiting from from the price decline. They're not causing the problem. The problem is caused by this asset liability problem. But at the end of the day. There are people who could solve this problem. Mm. However, those people have a different agenda. And I'm telling you, JP Morgan changed the letters, FRC, JPM. Mm. Well, so I so I'm, I'm I, I hear your argument. I'm not super in agreement with you, but I will if I was putting my tinfoil hat on today. There was a there have been there have been talks to restart FTX the exchange. I don't know how much you've you've clued into this. No, so, it, it, this it, this it just makes me angry. I, I you know we had a um, look. I feel like uh, all my prompts are making you angry. This oh morning. no no, sorry, this one man. makes me super angry because I we had a, a web you know we do these weekly webinars and we had one last night on digital assets and 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 this nonsense came up about you know FTX has recovered seven billion dollars and we're going to restart. Uh, I, I, I am incensed that people print this gibberish, 
right? Recovered valuing FTX at a big number because somebody, and it was probably freaking Sam from his parents' house instead of jail, pumped the price of FTT on, on seven shares. And it's not shares, but seven coins. I mean, the vol- there's no volume. There's no, but the price went up. So, oh my God, oh, this is great. You can't liquidate FTT at any value other than close to zero. No, no chance. But then this rumor, oh, we're going to restart. Or we're going to sell the, the assets, the tech. No. It, anyway. So, well, so, so FTT is a, so totally with you on that. And the last time I had, you know, looked over FTX's book, it didn't look too good, right? It was kind of FTT was an enormous part of that. Soul, which is definitely, Solana is a real asset, right? Real but asset. then some of the other, they had like some weird stuff in there. They had like oxygen, they had maps. That you know, I have no, I have no special knowledge. A bunch of Sam coins. I mean, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of Sam coins. And and look, Solana. Look, we still own a bunch of Solana, but I, you know, there's there's some stuff. You know, like like David from uh, what's his last name? Um, The guy from the the Ethereum podcast. David Um, David Hoffman from Bank. Yeah, Hoffman. Just bought one of these, these, um, the mad lads, the mad, the mad, mad, mad lads. lads. Yeah. The mad lads. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. There's people spending thousands of dollars on those particular NFTs and they're on Solana. Okay. And some of them have gone up a lot. It, well, on, well, on, in theory, they've gone up a lot. I mean, people are posting a value of a lot. No one's actually hitting the bid. But but okay, so so there's there is some activity, and there's some developer activity. So I'm I'm there was a point a couple months ago where <laughs> I wasn't so sure about going going to zero, but now I, I think there's some there there, and there's some development activity. Um, I hope because uh, it, it does have some some characteristics that are, are positive. The problem for me with Solana, at least as I understand it, and I'm not I'm not a coder, but at least as I understand it. It's not a hundred percent accurate, and so for gaming or rendering or stuff, that that's okay. NFTs, that's okay, but for anything to do with value and money, not okay. Hundred percent, we need a hundred percent. But that's I have I have a different opinion on Solana. Okay. I'm I'm excited about it. I so first of all, there's a lot of like kind of under the well, the Mad Lads thing and the the NFT backpack guys are the NFT backpack people are. It's a very cool bit of tech. Um, it's probably a little bit too technical for this show, but it's super interesting. I think what is, so Ethereum, you know, has taken a modular approach to scaling where they basically said, we're going to have long block times, low hardware requirements for validators on this base layer, but that is unsuited to mass user adoption. So yeah. what they've said is we're going to have rollups where rollups can inherit the security of the layer one, and then everyone's going to the execution is going to move up to this roll-up layer, but yep. the consensus and settlement and data availability is going to stay on Ethereum. Perfect. The issue, the issue is, right, now all of these roll-ups, first of all, they have centralized sequencers. So they're far more centralized than uh, Solana, right? All the execution is moving up to the most centralized, least permissionless layer of Ethereum. They also are now going to, they're now contending with issues that Solana has been reckoning with for years, which is users have 
a, a preference for very low latency. They want fast confirmations like this. So yeah. the design of those blockchains, in my opinion, this, this is just one man's opinion here, is going to start to mimic what Solana has frankly been working on for years. And Solana has the kind of advantages where they've been, they've got a three-year head start on this. They have, so the Mad Lads Mint, if you want to get really technical on this. Mm -hmm. So when, when something big happens on Ethereum, like Blur or a big airdrop or something like that, it crashes Ethereum, right? Yeah. And everyone just kind of knows that this happens. So the Mad Lads Mint went off without a hitch and it's because they have parallel fee markets, which is to say there are different sectors of on these generalized blockchains. There's like DeFi, there are NFTs, and what mm -hmm. they've been able to do is isolate activity to a specific sector like NFTs. So if there's a lot of activity in NFT land, it doesn't disrupt what's happening on a DeFi exchange, which is super interesting. So I, I we'll just see in a year what, what no, ends look, up happening. I, 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 I love your description and, and you know, you're you're closer to the tech than I am. I'm again you know, I'm a financial services guy. Um, I invest in tech, but but I'm still a financial services guy. I'm not a coder. Um, me, me either. For what but I but I no, but 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 you're you're closer to it, and, and that's a great analysis. And said I I believe that Solana has the chance to emerge as the tech that it should be as opposed to the manipulative scam that it was created by Sam and, and a few others and some people that I actually chose to partner with that I'm, I'm not happy that they were involved in that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think we, we might be able to move beyond. To go full circle here, the FTX exchange restarting, I'm agreeing with you. I, I saw the stat, it was like 7.3 billion that that they somehow found. Now, look, John J. Ray is a serious guy. John J. Ray Very is not serious. a, hey, I believe in magic internet yeah. coins. If he says 7.3 billion, I sort of feel like he's stamping his reputation on that number. And there has to be some amount of reality to that to me. But he probably gets paid a percentage of what they, so no, I'm just kidding. He's probably it, well, properly. You know, this hasn't really been covered, but the amount of fees that have been extracted by the lawyers and the investment bankers on this thing, and not only this thing, but like Celsius and Voyager. Oh, Michael, it is, it is Michael, astounding. bankruptcy law was written by lawyers. Let's just think about that for a second. L law, which which needs lawyers to to process creates revenues. Mm. I mean, I'll give you the, I'll give you, yeah, I, I had this experience. So many years ago, uh, I had to deal with, with, with a lawsuit and it doesn't matter what it was about and um, everything was fine. But <laughs> I learned the very hard way that even if you're hundred percent right, even if you have no liability, you have a liability because here's what happens. The other side puts in a claim, right? You're like, there's no basis to this claim. I want a summary judgment. And the judge says, hmm, nah, there could be a claim here. So I'm going to let them do some more work, okay? And then they do some more work. <laughs> they don't have any claim. And we you know, ask for another summary judgment. The judge is like, yeah, I know that one didn't work out, but but they have another angle. I'm, I'm going to let them do some more work. Well, then it turns out 
that the judges benefit from the money paid into the system by the bar. So there's this whole corrupt thing to get billing hours up just by having the process go. Mm. Multiple years went by, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees to get the answer many years later. Yeah, you were right. Ah! <clears throat> so bankruptcy law uh, is designed to transfer the money from the, the company to the advisors and lawyers, full stop. Hmm. It's a cynical view, but calm it, You know what? That one it resonates. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I want to. I want to talk a little bit about Meta. So Meta, they announced earnings. They no, 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 Michael. It's it's Met AI now. <laughs> it's not Meta anymore. It's Met AI. So I missed. I missed that part of the earnings. Did they talk? Did they talk quite a bit about AI? Of course. They're up- they're going to change their name again, for sure. I mean, it, yeah. everything's AI. Every Everything is AI. Yeah. So the, I mean, the, like toddler toys are now being rebranded as AI. Everything is AI. Yeah. So, all right. So I've, I'm kind of of two minds about this. So being in crypto for as, you know, the last, you know, five years or so sort of changed my opinion on bubbles. I used to just look at bubbles and say, look at these, look at these people getting carried away with their opinions and can't they see that this is nuts? And now I see bubbles as an indication of directional movement for a technology. Yeah. Like if there's this much excitement, it probably means there's something really there. Yeah. But the first generation of it is likely to lose a lot of money and there's going to be a lot of speculation and froth and all this stuff. Yeah. Crypto has proven that kind of time and time again in various cycles. So AI is, look, I almost hesitate. I, I try not to even talk about this because the meme is, you know, if you're in crypto, now you're pivoting to AI. This stuff is real. I, I, I now go, you know, I used to Google stuff. Now ChatGPT is my first swing at yeah. things. Yeah. And if you, it, like, it is a night and day different experience asking ChatGPT something versus Google. The, the experience oh. is so much better. It's I, nice. I, I could not agree more. In fact, you can't see it. But if I shared my screen... The bottom of my screen now is filled with little, uh, whatever, tabs or windows with chat GPT discussions or what are they? They're chats. They're chats, right? And, yeah. and it is a far superior experience. Yeah. It's Today. crazy. Tomorrow, it's crazy. there'll be ads at the top too, but that'll suck. Yeah. Um, but at least right now, you actually, you ask it a question and look, it sounds right on the front. You know, you're probably going to get some bad data because it's old. And I, 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 t- I use this. I talked about this yesterday. That the one thing, you know, the the free version only goes through 2021, and you got to pay up to to get. And that even the pay doesn't go pure current, so you can't ask it like stuff that that you really need. Like like I needed to know what's the best. Uh, deck for the meta in Magic the Gathering right now. I, I needed to know that because I'm getting my ass kicked by some you know guy with a better deck. And it's like, well, here's the best I can do because it's 2021. I'm like, 
that that doesn't help me. Um, mm. But at least it, it was a good deck and it was accurate. But if occasionally you'll ask it something and it'll return, you'll go like, no, that's just wrong. Um, but that's because the data out there is wrong. But I, that, I, I know. Please, it's, a, it's working on that though. You know, there's chat GPT four. It's all. It's, it's almost. It's, it's almost like meditation. Watching it transform is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. And and it actually, this is interesting too. The way the mind works in reading, I can actually read faster because it's it's going at a speed that is forcing me to pay attention. It's like when I listen to a podcast at one point five. It's just better for me. And it's interesting. So, yeah. Well, Meta. The, so the analysts love Meta again. Basically, the first of all, the shares are up seventy four percent year to date, which is roughly, I think, on the same order, of, uh, you know, order of magnitude that crypto is up, or yeah. Bitcoin and Bitcoin yeah. and Ethereum at least on, on the yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, shares of Meta are up fourteen percent, or at least they they popped yesterday when markets opened on Thursday uh, after they reported first quarter numbers. And that beat analyst expectations on both the top and the bottom lines. The sort of wart um, on those earnings or the thing that Zuck still has to figure out is Reality Labs, which is the metaverse. Uh, it's it's their, it's, you know, their hardware metaverse kind of division, which lost, posted a net loss of nearly $4 billion on the, on the quarter, not on the year, on the quarter, yeah. which is... That's a lot. That's a lot of money, even for a an infinite money printer like Facebook. That is that's a lot of money. So well, and here's the crazy thing, right? So just just goes to show where we are in the manipulation cycle of of equity markets. Yeah, they grew three percent, mm. three, but it wasn't down, and everybody was expecting it to be down again because it had been down multiple quarters in a row. Revenue grew three percent. Not 33%, not 103%, 3%. Mm. 3% growers don't get 30, 40 multiples. Mm. But they are in this market. I mean, Netflix was like 1.7%. I mean, people are like, oh, that's so awesome. Like on what planet is 1.7% awesome? It's not awesome. Mm. And same thing with Microsoft. I mean, I mean, Microsoft, Microsoft went up eight and something percent. I mean, this is on a two plus trillion dollar company. And I mean, I, I, I haven't done the actual calculation, but my guess is that that move was bigger than 480 of the S&P 500 companies or 460 or four. I, I don't know what the number is, but some crazy number, just that single move. Um, so I, I just, I, the mania around um, something that isn't negative. Like, like, like GDP, number. GDP number okay. came out, eh, 1%. Oh, but it, you know, at least it wasn't, you know, down. Uh, okay. But year over year, still 1%. Again, like fourth quarter, 0.9% year over year. That's a recession. It just is. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's not a bad recession. It's not like a, a face melting recession. It's a 2001 kind of yuck kind of recession. But in those periods, people just try to look for the positives. And I'm like, okay, it's positive. But now 
Q2, I think Morgan Stanley came out the first one and said it's going to be slightly negative. That would be ugly. And then they'd have to declare a recession, uh, even though they haven't yet. But earnings are less bad. So that's good. And growth was less bad than we thought. So that's good. I, I don't know. I, I, I just, my experience is long term, that's not a good thing. Short term, it can be a good thing if you're a speculator yeah. or a trader, but long term, the numbers eventually catch up. Well, I think the, well, what do you think about this? Because for so long, these tech companies, it's been a growth story, right? Mm -hmm. The, especially the ones that are, you know, much smaller, the really rapid growth sort of companies and no one cares about earnings, right? The expectation is you're yeah. burning a lot of money. Even for the thing that's been so amazing about Fang, frankly, is just, they seem to defy the law of large numbers where even though they're a gigantic company at this point, they still grow, you know, 33, yeah. 40% yeah. year over yeah. year. I mean, it's, it's yeah. totally nuts. But now that interest rates are back at 5%, Wall Street has said, well, hold on a second. There's a big opportunity cost for me investing in you. And ultimately, I, maybe I don't care so much about growth anymore. Really, what I want to see is profitability, right? Oh. And that's what the, you know, there's Brad Gerstner, I think, at Altimeter, who wrote that shareholder letter to Mark Zuckerberg. And now investors are demanding for the first time in a while. So to these companies' defense, no one has asked them to be that profitable, right? right. The, what the market told them was, is we're going to reward you if you can just grow ad infinitum and the, the profits are, you know, we, we don't care quite so much about those. But now the market is saying, same we thing care about profits. 2000, there was an article, you know, and this was in, after 2000 started to go down, 2001 started to really go down. There's this article saying, this quaint notion of profits is, is back in vogue. Yeah. It, 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 and it's your point. And, and we went 20 years and profits became quaint again. It's like, oh, we don't need profits. They just grow. And, you know, the SaaS companies and the software companies, I mean, they're the, they're the worst offenders. I mean, look, Salesforce doesn't make any money. Mm. I mean, it's a cult. It's a cult. And, and Benioff is amazing at pumping the stock. He'll be on the day after earnings and, and, you know, but I I think we talked about, or no, actually you had um, Ben on and talked about this, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at IBM over 10 years and Salesforce, IBM actually made money, but the CEO never went on TV and their stock went down. Salesforce mm -hmm. never made money and the stock, you know, trebled because it's a meme and, and they have a nice office tower in San Francisco. But yeah, the... Look, we, we've, we've gamified investing. That's part of the problem. Mm. Uh, we've, we've quantitatively, um, not quantitatively, um, automatically, uh, we've moved to an automatic investing world, right? People's 401k just goes into index funds and ETFs. Just no one, no one ever changes. No one ever adjusts. No one ever rebalances. No one ever looks at it. It just goes in. And so the, the cap weighting, which again, capitalization is just a silly concept. If 100 shares trade at $100 and you own a million shares, you're not getting $100. If you mm -hmm. had to sell a million shares, you would never get $100. But if you have to mm -hmm. sell 100 shares, sure, get $100. But so this idea of multiplying the current price for 100 shares traded times the number of shares is your market cap. It's just a silly concept. Yeah. But because the indices are based on that, 
it's it's a self-fulfilling I won't call it a Ponzi. It's kind of a Ponzi because it only works if money's coming in. It's like and a market year, structure quirk. You know, there's there's no perfect way to measure this kind of stuff. It's all yeah. sort of theoretical, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. this is, you know, there over over the years there have been different market structures that have yielded different quirks. And I yep. think this is the one that that we're going to have to deal with in our time. I mean, we do have passive investing and it is funneling capital up to the 10 or 20 largest companies. Is that right? I don't know. Oh yeah, no, no, it is. It is. And and again, it's it's back to Sinister Saturday. We're funneling money to the biggest banks, ultimately to the big bank with CBDC. We're funneling money to the big companies. Why? Well, because they agreed to pay Uncle Warren, right? Why does why does you know Berkshire own Apple? Right? It's very simple. Buybacks. Buybacks. It's very simple, right? That's why. It has nothing to do with, oh, they think Apple's a good company. They've said we don't like tech, we don't understand tech. Why do they own Apple? Because it pays them. Mm-hmm. And that is the deal. And I said, the genius of Berkshire Hathaway is tax-deferred structure, financed with negative cost leverage that owns mm. these stable companies that pay them through dividends and buybacks. Absolutely brilliant. I wish I would have thought of it. I didn't. Bravo. <laughs> awesome. Mm. But I ain't buying it because it's a value stock. That's just, that's mm. just stupid. And people that, that, that say that are the same people that believe that you know CBDC is good for you or that you know, lockdowns are good for you or whatever someone tells you, whatever some authority tells you, they believe it's good for them. Mm. It's not good for you. It's yeah. For you. So th- I don't know when this particular, if you're following along via video, I don't know when this particular visualization of a company's revenues and costs became popular. I yeah. can't really tell if this is more intuitive or not, but I think we've shown at some point here the same thing for for Salesforce. But, you know, if you, if you look at this, it actually is, I guess, kind of a nice visualization of, all right, the advertising revenue for, uh, I mean, Jesus, th- these companies still do make so much money. The advertising revenue for Facebook this quarter is $20 billion. Of that, you know, even with this gigantic pile of money that they're lighting on fire with Reality Labs, they've still got $5.7 billion in profit this quarter from Meta. Yeah. Yeah. Still pretty stark, still pretty stark. Yeah. So I guess that's, I guess that's quite good. Yeah, but uh, I, you know, it's interesting. As as successful a, a company as they are, they can't hire a good visual designer who doesn't understand that that green connotes positive and red connotes negative. I look mm-hmm. at that chart and I see all those red lines going down. I'm like, oh my god, they're losing, they're burning cash. That's just mm-hmm. that's a bad chart. Yeah, you know, I I heard I heard this interview with. Uh, Steve Wiseman or what? Oh, yeah. uh, Steve Eisman, Steve Eisman, uh, Grant Williams did it. Who's the, you know, who's the OG he's, he's Steve is the guy who was represented by Steve Carell in, in the big short. And every once in a while, you know, you, you kind of get this, you know, the Jim Chanos and the Steve Eisman's of the world will, will kind of, will kind of raise their fist at, at the cloud and, and wish that people, you know, adhere to gap earnings, right? We've got these accounting standards oh and nobody's and nobody seems to want to use them, right? And you know, I, I'm actually in their camp. I, I I kind of would count myself sympathetically in their camp. It does make sense to me. Hey, we we gap is not perfect, but at least it's a good standard that we can all use to understand accounting is the language of business, right? Let's Michael, all speak the same Michael, language Michael, in terms Michael, of the- we're, we we should follow rules. <laughs> like you play a basketball game, we we shouldn't just say 
that the team we like gets two possessions every time. I mean, we should make up the rules as we go along and they should favor us, us good guys. The good guys mm. should get to make the rules. No. I mean, we have the highest number of non-gap accounting in history. Even now? No. I mean, yes. And it started, you're right. It started to, it started to go down with the, with the um, kind of debacle that we had a couple of years ago. But now it's right back to, to the craziness. And, you know, it's everything from my, my favorite stock-based compensation, which somehow you turn into revenue. It's an expense. If you pay people stock options, that is an expense. But somehow the, the voodoo of non-GAAP accounting says it's, it's revenue. And, you know, deferred maintenance and accelerated depreciation and, and oh, my favorite, you know, accelerated sales recognition, like where you, you get a subscription that goes 10 years and you get to recognize it all up front. Like, oh, no, you don't have the money. But, you know, cash is cash. The rest is fiction. And um, it, it reminds me of the old joke, right? The guy's interviewing uh, accountants. The first one comes in, says, what's two plus two? Person says, four. Thank you very much. Second person comes in, says, what's two plus two? Four. Thank you very much. Third person comes in, what's two plus two? What number would you like it to be? You're hired. You're hired. <laughs> and I think that's where we have come. We're mm. in the, what number would you like it to be, sir? Uh, or mm. ma'am. And- that is a world, it's hard for people who are logical or rules-based. I say, I'm a dutiful firstborn. I follow rules. I do what I'm told. I, I don't cheat. I don't lie. I don't steal. I, I, I couldn't restate my accounts by some rule that I made up. I, I just couldn't do it. There's a book. I learned it. And that, and I don't, I don't understand. And, and that, and that, and that, that means I'm less rich because I can't buy Salesforce. Yeah. I just can't do it. I mean, I physically can't do it. People have and, and good for them. Yeah. I maybe just want to wind down and end here with the observation that I, I think where at least my head is at is that I think that there are, you know, people, you know, will often say this is like a scary sort of thing. Like, Ooh, there are more shoes to drop. I do. I do think that we aren't completely out of the woods here yet. I don't know if you saw this article from the Wall Street Journal, but well, it was like there's a there's a, a building in San Francisco. Yeah, I've yeah. been in. I, it's a beautiful building. It's great. Yeah. Place. 350 California Street in San Francisco. And that, yeah, the title of this Wall Street Journal article is Fire Sale. $300 million San Francisco office tower, mostly empty, open to offers. Apparently, bids are coming in at 80%, at an 80% discount to the purchase price of so $60 million, right? Off of off of the $300 million that it initially sold for. I do think that, you know, it tends, you see this in crypto, you, you see this in, in the broader economy. You saw this in 2008 with Bear Stearns and then Lehman mm -hmm. being separated by a period of time. There's an initial kind of shock. It seems like we've contained the problem. But a lot of people are swimming naked and they're trying to figure it out. And then eventually it all sort of collapses. And I do think probably just to sort of knit a whole bunch of stuff that we've been talking about together, a couple more, maybe 25 basis point rate hikes from the Fed. Yeah. But there are still definitely problems that are roiling in, in the financial markets. 
Maybe it's commercial real estate. Maybe it's some other arcane part of the market that's going to be some weird, you know, two trillion dollar market that I'm not even aware of right now. But I think some something yeah. else is going to happen, right? No, and then, I think it's it's great insight and and 100 true. I mean, commercial real estate disaster. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 personal, personal, right? I have big old office that I used to have full of people. Now no one comes in the office. I have, you know, little less than two years left on the lease. I'm out. Now mm -hmm. I got to wait two freaking years and I got to pay all this money because they're not going to let me out. And, you know, my view is they should negotiate with me now to get me into a better situation. And then I'll sign a long-term lease. But at this point, since they won't do that, I'm out. I mean, I'm outie. And so they, they're going to have an empty building, empty, uh, in, in two years. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch, like 350 California, it's already empty. People aren't going back. They're just not. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, my son lives in San Francisco. He's in the office one day a week, maybe, maybe. Um, working from home four days a week. His wife is kind of two or three, but... Um, that those buildings aren't ever going to release and, and it's, it's not going back to 300. And so uh, look, the, the thing, the thing in real estate is always be, you want to be the third owner, right? You know, the person who builds it, sells it to somebody. Uh, and then, then you want to buy it from that person who paid too much. Um, and, and then it happens again, you want to be the sixth owner and the ninth owner. And so these cycles occur. And, and we've seen this movie before, and you can go back and you look, that that building probably sold for 60 million 20 years ago. And then it sold for 120 and then it sold for 300. And now it's going to sell for 60. And But I don't think it's ever going back to 300. Yeah. Unless, unless they keep trashing the dollar and then 300 won't be the same 300, right? So that's possible. Um, at that point, Bitcoin will be worth you know, $700,000. But um, if uh, that's a prediction, if 350 California ever gets back to $300 million, Bitcoin will be multiple hundred thousand dollars per coin. Yeah. Um, that's easy. That's just math. But <laughs> there was a great, you know, this was a totally different perspective of me, for me that frankly, I hadn't, I'm going to try to get his name, but my colleague, Jack Farley on Forward Guidance, he interviewed this guy who used to work at the BOE, right? So he's an actual ex- Central banker. Sorry, I'm just searching for his his name, but but he, yeah, Sir Paul Tucker. Sir Paul yeah. Tucker is his name, yeah. and he had this really interesting perspective, which was the demand for currency is far outstripped by the demand for debt, basically. So if you think about it from the perspective of an yeah. issuer, people want debt more than they want currency, and I've started to view this within the context of I hate this corner of Twitter, the Bitcoin people versus the, the Ethereum people. Yeah. I think you're just, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's just so frustrating to me that that's an, that's an argument. But I do think it's going to be compelling to Wall Street. You know, if you buy Bitcoin, the only thing you can do is HODL and, and tweet HODL. But if you buy Ethereum, you can stake it. You can get yeah. income. And yeah. the mental model that I've started to use for Ethereum is in the same way that you have dollars and bonds, you have Ethereum and staked Ethereum. And if you're a holder of, if you're just a holder of Ethereum, not a staker, you're getting diluted every year. But if you are a staker, you have passive income. 
And all, and you know, we always talk about how if you've been holding the dollar for you know the last hundred years, you've had your yep. purchasing power diluted by ninety eight percent. Not if you've been holding treasuries. Not if you've been holding treasuries. You've actually been doing quite fine. You've been protecting it. You have staked dollars. So I think that is a an important mental wow. model. Wow, Michael, forward. my that is that's a mad genius analysis and treasuries as staked dollars is the thing the thing i love about it staked dollars i think is is an amazing thing and what i the the, the genius of it the 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 real genius of it is there was this thing yesterday about you know i'm tired of these regulators using antiquated rules, right? The 1940 Act, the 1933 Act to try to regulate these new financial innovations. And they were using Ethereum as the example. And I think it's exactly right, right? And I tweeted, no, come on. It's perfectly logical for our centigenarian, you know, geriatric regulators to use their ancient texts and scrolls to regulate a modern financial system. Sarcasm. So yeah, I, I think that's really a, a great analysis. The future of money is here. The future of value is here. And thinking about it in the, the old way, love that. Awesome. Stake dollars. All right. Well, Mark, that's, uh, that's unfortunately all the time we have, but favorite hour of my week as per usual. Cheers, right, my friend. Talk to you.